If you brought your Bibles, and I hope that you have, uh, Mark, I want to start reading in Mark chapter 14 in verse 3. And it says, And being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he said at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of, spin, of spin, spinard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there uh, were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She has wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always. And whosoever... Excuse me, not whosoever, whensoever. And whensoever ye will, ye may do uh, them, do them good. But me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She is come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went unto the chief priest to betray him unto them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought how he might conveniently betray him. Let's pray. Will you bow your heads with me one more time? Heavenly Father, we just humbly come before you one more time tonight or this morning thanking you for the good day and the many blessings, Lord. And we thank you most of all for your son, Jesus, Lord God, that you sent him and give him so that we might have salvation. And Lord, we don't deserve it. We're not worthy of it. And you knew that, but you've done it anyways. And so, Lord, my heart's desire here this morning is if there's any that don't know you, God, let today be the day that they get things right with you. Let today be the day they'd repent and turn to you before it's everlasting too late. Oh, Lord, I'm praying here uh, this morning. Lord, have your way and your will in our midst. God, use me as your messenger, Lord. Uh, all I desire to do is your will, whatever it may be. I don't want to say anything that I shouldn't say, and I want to say everything that you want me to say. So God, use me here this morning one more time. Just preach me here this morning. And Lord, we'll give you every bit of the glory for it. Lord, prepare our hearts to receive your word. Lord, I pray each one of us would not just be hearers, but we would be doers. And God, that we'd be obedient to your spirit and we'd be listening to you this morning. And Lord, I'm asking here, Lord, just to pour your Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm asking for your anointing, for your holy unction. Just have your way and your will. And Lord, we'll be sure and give you all the glory for it. We love you. We worship you. We praise your holy name. We ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. I want to point some things out about this passage of Scripture. And i got no idea where we'll get to this morning, and that's all right. We'll come back together tonight if I don't get done, and we'll get done then, all right? If you look, and I, and I read the verses right after, I probably should have read the ones right before it, but if you look at what is going on here, we are at the last week, okay? We, 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 we are at the, uh, I say last week, the final days leading up to Christ's crucifixion, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, right? Uh, that, is, that week leading up to it is usually referred to as the Passion Week. 
if we look at what is happening here, and if we look at both ends of this, of this uh, passage of Scripture. I started at verse 3, but if we had read verses 1 and 2, and that may be my mistake, well, maybe we should have read those, uh, but you can go home and read them after a while. But anyways, if we look at that, and we look at the two verses that I did read to you after this story of this woman uh, 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 anointing Jesus, if we look at both ends of this, um, those are almost like bookends. And what we see is we can see storm clouds. That's what you see there. See, before the, the, the priests and the, and the Sanhedrin, they had the Pharisees and that bunch, the, the religious leaders that hated Jesus, they were plotting to kill him. They wanted to get rid of him, okay? But because it says of the, of, the pre, of the feast, it's talking about Passover, right? That's what's happening and taking place. There is, there is Jews from all over the world that is in Jerusalem for Passover, okay? There is big crowds of people that, that was there. Uh, the streets are crowded, right? Everybody's homes are crowded. It is super, super busy. And there's a lot of people. And Jesus' fame, had, had it had spread abroad, right? And he was pretty popular. He couldn't go anywhere without big crowds. Uh, and they, and I, I mean, I'm just speculating what was going through their mind, but they just didn't see a way that they could do what they wanted to do at that point. They wanted to wanted to kill him they wanted to get rid of him right then but they were worried that if they did uh that they would end up causing a riot and it would just it would get out of hand and the romans would get involved and and they might not accomplish what they want or they might cause something uh that would that would mess things up for them on the other end the other book end is we see immediately after this happens that Judas goes to them and he plots with them a way to make it happen. Because we know, if, if you know the rest of the story, he ends up leading them to Jesus when Jesus is in the garden praying and it's just the disciples and Jesus. The inner circle, all right? That is the storm clouds. Jesus knows what is going to happen. Now, now think about the story for just a minute. Oh, I got so many things to say about it, too. Uh, think about what happens in this. First of all, this story is recorded in Matthew, Mark, and John. For sure, without a doubt, parallel accounts. There is a similar account in Luke that might be a parallel account, and it might not, okay? I don't know. I'm just going to set it aside, and we'll just talk about what Matthew, Mark, and Luke say, or not Luke, but John say about this, okay? The first thing it tells us, Matthew tells us that this happens, first of all, in the town of Bethany. Bethany is just, you can almost consider it a, a suburb of Jerusalem, right? It's a little town just outside of Jerusalem, just not very far at all from Jerusalem at all. And so anyways, this is where it takes place. It tells us uh, also uh, that it's in the home of Simon the leper. Now, uh, let me th- let, let's just talk about this for just a minute. That's quite a statement. I read this, no telling how many times over the years before I caught what is being said there. This happens in the home of Simon the leper. Do you know anything about leprosy and how it was treated in biblical times? Simon, 
who was a leper. Otherwise, they wouldn't have called him Simon the leper, right? I mean, that's just old hillbilly country boy reasoning, but that makes sense, doesn't it? Right? So anyways, so they call him Simon the leper. We know from the scriptures, and the Jews were serious about this. You see, leprosy, now we usually think of Hansen's disease today, and, and, and that's very well what it could have been, but there were several other skin diseases that would fall into that. But leprosy is considered uncurable. It was something that is considered contagious. So if I've got leprosy and I come up here and, and, and touch Robbie, odds are she's got leprosy. That's the way they viewed it. There are specific laws. I think it's Jennifer can straighten us out after a while because she's taught on this before. But I think it's in Leviticus chapter 13 and chapter 14 is where there's specific laws on how it is to be dealt with. And so if you have leprosy, if you think you have leprosy, you go to the priest. The priest is the one who examines it. And there is certain criteria that is laid out there that he has used to examine that spot on the skin, right? And really what he's looking at and what he's trying to figure out is if this spot on the skin, if it is only skin deep or if it is deeper, right, than skin deep. Now look, when we go all through the scripture, right, leprosy symbolically represents sin, right? And that's the thing with sin. Sin is, it's deeper than the skin, okay? And it is, there's a lot of comparisons, but that's not what I'm preaching on this morning. Anyways, so, uh, so there's a certain uh, uh, ritual that they go through. And they have to be the leper or the person that has a spot on his skin. They've got to be isolated for seven days. That don't mean... Go back and lock yourself up in your house with your family. That means, as the Bible uses the words, outside the camp. That means outside of town. That means where there is nobody. Where you are isolated. Nobody. You can't go back home and hug your kids or your wife's neck or husband or whatever the case may be. There is no pass go collect $200. You go straight out of out of outside desolate area. In seven days, you're in isolation. And then the priest examines you again. And so there's a whole process. There's certain things he's supposed to look for. It's all laid out in those two chapters. And long story short, if he determines that you have leprosy, it's uncurable. There's no medicine that they can give you, no treatments, no nothing like that. And for the rest of your life, boy, I hope that clock's wrong. <laughs> it says it's five minutes to one. Even five minutes till noon is not good. But anyway, he said, uh, if... You have leprosy. You go out. You live outside the camp from then on. It ain't go and tell your family goodbye. As a matter of fact, there's a whole bunch of stuff the family has to do. Like, first of all, burn all your clothes. Second of all, right, replaster the walls in the house. I mean, there is a ton of stuff that has to be done and has to, and has to be taken care of there. But anyways, you go, you go outside. You live the rest of your life in isolation with no hope of being cured whatsoever, right, with no hope of being able to be with your family again or your friends or anything like that if if uh, you are to... Oh, here's another thing it says. It tells us that the, the lepers, when they go around, 
they had to, it says, cover their upper lip. Now, for a long time, I couldn't figure out what that meant, cover your upper lip. It just sounded stupid to me until our whole COVID thing come around and everybody's wearing masks. And then I realized that's what they're talking about. Got some sort of face covering, mask, right? And so anyway, so that's how they viewed it. That's how they treated it. And here's the other thing. Way off in the distance, right? If he comes into, is going to come close to coming into contact with people, like say he's walking down the road and he sees somebody off in the distance walking down the road, he's got to start hollering out, unclean, unclean, unclean. And people are going to steer wide around him because they might feel bad for him and feel sympathetic, but they don't want what he's got. Jesus and a bunch of other people were having dinner at Simon the leper's house. You figuring out what I'm figuring out? He ain't got leprosy no more. He ain't got leprosy no more. Hmm. Maybe that's why they're having dinner there. I don't know. He's come in contact with Jesus at some point before this. Glory to God. And the uncurable, the unhealable, right, has been cured, has been healed, right? Did I not say to you starting out with that leprosy represented symbolic of sin? You do realize that there is nothing you and I can do to make things right for the sins that we've committed. You and I have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us stand guilty before God. All of us. It's like we get this idea, this thing in our head that, you know, uh, that, that we do these good things and that'll make up for the bad things. Right? The philosophy that is taught, is part of humanistic philosophy, but the philosophy that is taught today uh, in our society and our culture and our world, and, and, and we're learning it, and our kids and grandkids and stuff is learning, is that you just be a good person and be the best that you can be. And the implication is if there's a heaven, if there's a reward in the afterlife, then, then you'll get to partake in that. But you just do the best that you can, and that's good enough. Well, I got news for you. That ain't good enough. Ain't even close. Do you know the Bible refers to our righteousness? That means our good works, good things that we can do, is as filthy rags before God. You see, it ain't your good works and it ain't my good works that get you into heaven. It ain't what I did and it ain't what you did or anybody else that you know. It's what Jesus did. That's why it's his righteousness. That's why we are clothed in his righteousness. That's what the Bible is talking about when it talks about the robe of white. That is Christ's righteousness. Ours is like a filthy rag. It's like a ratty old cloth or over, you know, outward garment or whatever, right? Like, like a work shirt that's all tore up and stained. That's the best that we're able to accomplish.
I wanted to get to walking with God, and I'll get to that tonight. But let me say this. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, they, the Bible tells us they walked with God. The Bible tells us they were, create, they were in, a, in the Garden of Eden, which was a place of perfection, and there was no sin. And they had fellowship. That's what walking with God is, is they got fellowship with God. And the Bible tells us, and I won't get into all of it, Lord willing, if he wants me to, I will tonight, but not right now, I need to get done. When they sinned, right? They, Eve is tempted, Adam willingly sins, uh, disobeys, he knowingly disobeys, in other words. Uh, and they sin and they fall. The Bible says that their eyes were opened and they realized they were naked. And when they heard the voice of God, they hid from him because they were ashamed. That's Genesis chapter 3. Go read it and see if I'm right. They hid from him because they were ashamed of their nakedness. God comes along and God calls out to Adam. Not because God didn't know where Adam was. Not because God didn't know what they had done. You see, God's making them confess to what they've done. And he's calling them out. Right? That's what happens whenever the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sins. It's not because God didn't already know. You, he's calling your name just as he called Adam's name. He's calling you out. Where are you? In other words, what are you doing? Why are you hiding, right? And so anyways... When all of that, whenever he does that, they answer. They do the same thing that we do. They make excuses. Remember that, right? He, he, you know, he's asked Adam, why are you hiding? He says, because we're naked. And he says, who told you you were naked? And Adam immediately blames God and said that it was that woman you gave me. Well, he said they had ate of the fruit, and that's why, in any ways... You know, God asked him that, and yeah, and he, and anyways, and Adam blames his wife, and God turns to Eve, and Eve blames the serpent, and that is our human nature. Do you remember what else that they had done in all of that? They had tried to cover up their sins. Bible says that they had took some fig leaves and sewed them together to make clothes out. Have you ever heard of anything any dumber? What kind of clothes can you make out of leaves? I mean, look. Now, as dumb and ridiculous as we think that is, and we sit here and we can reason and see, it's the same thing when we try to cover our sins up and make excuses for our sins. It's just as dumb as what theirs were. And if you keep reading there towards the end of the chapter, you will see, of course, the curse comes. Sin is entered in, and there's consequences to sin. And God spells all that out, and then it says he makes them, uh, he takes a, how does it, does it say coat of skins? He uses skins to make them clothing and clothe them and cover up their nakedness. Do you know what had to have happened right then? There's no way you get a skin without something dying. I think just knowing what I know about the scriptures, I think it was probably a lamb that was offered as a sacrifice and God used the skin of that lamb to make their clothes. The Bible doesn't tell us what kind of animal it is. It doesn't matter. 
The point is, is something innocent had to die because of what they did. And there's the first picture of Jesus. The only one to have never sinned, to have never known sin. But yet, and it's beyond my comprehension, but yet he becomes sin. That's what it says at the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He becomes sin for us, right? He took our sins. He bore our sins. He took our punishment. What we deserve. So that we might be able to be saved. So that we might be able to be made right with him. So that we might be able to walk with him. In other words, fellowship restored with God. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves me. He gave his only begotten son. You, you realize the most precious thing he had. He didn't have to give him. He willingly gave him. And one last thought as Jennifer comes for a song of invitation. And I promise, Lord willing, I'll finish tonight. God give the very best that he had. What if, what if, there was somebody that you loved. And you took all the money you could put together, whatever the circumstances might be, but you gave them as a gift the very best that you had to offer. And how would you, how, how would that be? How, what would you think about that? How would you feel if they just throwed it away. They just throwed it on the ground and just literally walked right over it, trampled over it. It meant nothing to them. That's not even close. That's not even a fair comparison to what it is that we do when we reject Christ. Whenever we, the Bible uses the term in the book of Hebrews that we trample him under our feet. Look, Jesus died. He died so we could walk with God. He died so we could have fellowship with God. He died so we could go to heaven and live there for an eternity. He died so that we could be reconciled, so that we could be made right with Him. I'm begging you this morning, don't reject that offer. Don't reject that gift. You didn't earn it, and you don't deserve it. I don't deserve it, and I didn't earn it either. But God, and God knew that. It's not like it's a surprise to him now. And he freely, freely give his son so that we could have a relationship with him. So that we could walk with him, so that one day we could live with him. It's not about one day floating to heaven on a cloud and playing a harp for all of eternity. If you think that's what eternity is going to be like and heaven's going to be like, you are mistaken. We think the, the end of this life, we, it's like it's the end. I got, I, I, I got news for you. It's just the beginning. It's just, death is, death is not the end. It is just the beginning. So really the question I'm asking this morning is 
Are you prepared? What have you done with the gift that God has offered to you? Where do you stand this morning? Speaking of which, will you stand to your feet? I want to open the altar and I want to give you an opportunity to come this morning. Spirit of God dealing with you, you just come on. Uh, don't you worry about what anybody thinks. You just come on. Uh, if you've got a need, if you've got a burden, you come on here this morning. Somebody, if God's burdened your heart with somebody, there's somebody you need to be praying for, there's something going on, whatever the case you just come on this morning, okay? Uh, the altar is open. If you want somebody to pray with you, then somebody will pray with you. And if you don't and you just want to come and pray, then you just come and pray, all right? Whatever the need is here this morning, you just come on. Don't you miss this opportunity. We're not guaranteed another one. We're not guaranteed another one. Would you come this morning? Hallelujah.